Sheikh, how are you this afternoon? Fine, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Something in the throat slightly, but Alhamdulillah, generally Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Just a gentle reminder, this is the week of the workshop, which is going to be taking place on the 11th of March, inshallah. That is this Saturday from 3 until 5 o'clock. That's going to be in Alsis River at the Siddiqui Masjid. So do tag along and do bring a friend along as well. (coughs) If you have facilities in terms of downloading the form, then you can go onto our website on www.vocfm.co.ca. Alternatively, you can come to the station where you can fill out the registration form. We are going to be in our first segment, and that is, of course, Knowing My Lord. And Sheikh is going to be recapping as to where Sheikh stopped last week, Thursday, inshallah. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran for that one, Auntie Yasmina. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, alhamdulillahi wahda wa salatu wa salamu ala madlana biya ba'd. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yasidli amri wa hal-ugdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. اللهم علمنا بما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا ورزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته to all our listeners out there Alhamdulillah um, First before we actually started with our program we now get to be able to make dua and I was all to just put our hands together إن شاء الله أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والآقبة للمتقين والجنة للموحدين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإذ لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم آت نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها يا رب العالمين يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار ودخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا أزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله وthanks and praises to Allah then love and salam on our beloved Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم uh, people, we've last been, last week we've been in the segment, Knowing My Lord, where we've ended off with the issue of the 
Kisses that happened in matters that happened in the life of Nabi Ibrahim and his wife Sayyidina Najira and his son Nabi Ismail and, and, and we dealt with uh, the, those issues, issues there and especially we were, we were looking in this segment the subject of understanding Uruhiyya now remember in, in this segment of knowing my Lord we are dealing in this Head subheading of knowing Allah through Uruhiya, meaning what is it that, that my Lord has given me a command and what and how must I implement that command? That is from my side. Knowing my Lord from the side of his Rububiya, that is Allah's might and power, and we, we, we have just gone a certain level there. We are looking at how did Allah put the message on all those people prior to us, the Ambiya and the people. Allah will given them a command and see that the, how they had to implement the command and execute that to the best of their ability. So, so you and I can understand precisely what is meant by Uruhiyya and how is the need for us to implement that. And with no disrespect, we find that this is one of the things that happens in our life. People know Allah through Rububiyya but do not know the recognition of Allah through Uruhiyya. We make salah. But we do not know Allah in Uluhiyya. Now, uh, making salah is not possible unless we recognize we're making salah for Allah and we recognize that we're doing this as a command of Allah and we see that the person who showed us how to respond to that command is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and you and I need to do that. right? And then when we do that, then that is Uluhiyya unto Allah. May Allah grant us to be of those who recognize that there is recognition of Allah in Rububiyya, but equally there is recognition of Allah in Uluhiyya, which is a greater thing and of more necessity because that is the load on you and me, our, the load on our necks that we need to show unto Allah our appreciation and our submission to when Allah guides, Allah instructs, Allah orders, Allah advises, or Allah prevents, and we accept that and carries it out to the best of our abilities. May Allah accept from all of us, inshaAllah. So we've done and we've gone into the life of Nabi Ibrahim, and we've seen what has happened there. We were lost in our last segment. We were busy with what happened with Nabi Ibrahim when he slaughtered his son. Uh, 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 the second last one, and the last one was dealing with the occasion that when happened with Nabi Ibrahim, after he visited his family, whilst his wife Sa uh, Sarah has passed on, and his son got married, and issues happened in there, and the advice and guidance from Nabi Ibrahim to his son Ismail, as instructed by Allah and His Rasul, may Allah grant khairan barakatah. That, that we be of those people who recognize that we have responsibility of action to execute that which Allah guides us to in the manner that Allah sends and profit of the time and that we need to be able to follow that. Allahumma amin. I think we've covered this quite extensively. For today, inshallah, we hope to go over to some of the other uh, people that Allah mentions to us. And one of those people Allah mentions to us is the grandson of Nabi Ibrahim. Nabi Ibrahim had a son by the name of Nabi Ismail, on, that's from the side of Sayyidina Hajra, yes, and Sayyidina Sarah had a, a, a son later on in life by the name of uh, um, Ishaq. And Ishaq had a son by the name of Ya'qub, and Ya'qub had, had a son by the name of Nabi Yusuf. So we're now dealing with Nabi Ya'qub, which is the grandson of Nabi Ibrahim, 
Isaac's son, which had a, a son by the name of Yaqub, Nabi Yaqub, this Nabi, happened to become the father of Nabi Yusuf. And Nabi Yusuf, father Nabi Yaqub, was a, a, a Nabi, whom Allah has granted the ability that when he got married, uh, he married one wife, and Allah has given them permissibility to, for them in their time to remember we said uh, Rububiyyah is when we identify the powers of Allah Uluhiyyah when we recognize that Allah has given certain permissibilities and laws and orders in a time different to ours right like a, a, a certain time in life Allah has made certain things haram which Allah has made halal for this ummah or certain things was halal was uh, was halal when we came to this ummah Allah made it haram now those are Allah's right to be able to put in his command and order and you and I need to see that we execute in accordance as whatever is Allah's order it's not your and mine question but why how come Allah knows best if Allah has put a rule ruling and law there then all that you and I need to do what is the ruling and law that Allah has put onto me and not want to delve into other people's business and to know why and why not and how come. That's not our business. We're not going to be questioned about that. We're not going to be rewarded or we're not even going to be given punishment. And if we know it or know it not, we don't need to go into it. What we need to go into, what is it that my Lord has commanded me in my time? And what must I know thereof so that I can implement it? May Allah grant us to be Muslim, inshallah, and follow that path, inshallah. Amen, inshallah. The voice there of Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in studio with your program, Madrasa on E, Developing Islam in Me. The time is now 20 past two, and we break for ads. And when we come back, we'll continue with the program. Stay tuned. Suburban Travel and Tour Advisors, passionately taking you back to your roots, offers a 10-day package from 23,999 Rand or 17 days from 29,999 Rand per person, departing on the 21st of April 2017. Limited offer for VOC listeners who book now. Receive a 3 by one hour full-body Indonesian massage. T's and C's apply. Call 021-696-0943 or 084-556-4659. Suburban Travel and Tour Advisors. Come as a stranger and leave as a friend. Join one of Cash and Carry for similar prices. Crown cooking oil equates 15 rand 99 per litre, 4 litre for 63 rand 99. Crown parboiled rice 10 kg 79 rand 99. Omo auto washing party equates 19 rand 99 per kg, 3 kg 59 rand 99. Price is valid till 8th March 2017. Whether it's a delicious roast, a tasty curry, or a succulent smoky braai. You can still count on Ali's Meat Market Paro to find all you need to make that meal a mouth-watering occasion. Best quality, better prices, more choice. Tune in to our live crossings every Saturday morning, 10.30, for our amazing specials. Then visit our new concept store at 269 Fortrecker Road, Paro. Ali's Meat Market Paro, still the king of lamb. The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM Stereo Madrasa on A oh, 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 oh. 
Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to the program Madrasa on A Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along special guest in studio none other than Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. Do know that you can send through your questions if you have any in the segment knowing my lord on the following numbers 47913 is our SMS line alternatively our WhatsApp is 072 2380712 I'll hand over to Sheikh to continue where Sheikh stopped before the break Sheikh bismillah Shukran jazakallah khair Just before the break we were busy speaking about the one of the uh, grandsons of Nabi Ibrahim We said Nabi Ibrahim had a son by the name Ibn the wife the name, the name of Ishaq Ishaq was the son of Sayyidina Sarah and out of them Allah granted a uh, after Nabi is, is, uh, Ishaq, Allah granted him a son by the name of Yaqub. Nabi Yaqub became a Nabi. Allah granted him the load. And Nabi Yaqub was a person whom Allah has granted the ability to be the father figure of what we call today the Jewish nation. Nabi Yaqub, Allah calls him the father of the Jewish nation. And Allah called his people, his children then, Banu Israel, the children of Israel. And the name Israel was given to Nabi Yaqub as a name that Allah has given to him. Nabi Yaqub was that Nabi who had 12 sons. And Allah has granted out of every son, Allah created a situation in the future for him to be able to bring about the Jewish nation to have 12 tribes. And, and, and that happens later on. We need to look for now into the life of Nabi Yaqub in the things that Allah has shown us as the process of the, in the Holy Quran about Nabi Yaqub. Allah indicates to us that he is a Nabi who in actual fact has been very obedient to Allah. All, all Anbiya has been obedient. Nabi Yaqub, one of the qualities is Allah has granted him to be a father figure to teach us how to deal with children. And Allah brings to us the qissa of Nabi Ibrahim to be able to see that when Allah gives you a responsibility as a prophet and Allah puts certain loads on you, there are certain things that you need to do, you need to carry those things out. Now Nabi Ibrahim, Nabi, Isma, Nabi Ishaq, I said that the son by the name of Yaqub, Nabi Yaqub was granted the opportunity to get married to in the, the days, and those days we said, when Allah has given an order, a command, and we need to be able not to ask the question, why, why not? In today's life, we cannot marry more than one daughter, one sister, right? You can only marry one lady, you may not marry a sister if you are still married to, to, a, to the other sister. You can marry another sister in Islam when the one sister has passed on or you separated from her. But you can no man in Islam in this Audin can marry two sisters at the same time. In the in the time of Nabi Yaqub, Allah has given them permissibility to marry more than one sister. So Nabi Yaqub wanted to marry a lady, and he was interested in this lady to get married to her. But her two sisters, as older than her, was not married yet. So Allah granted that the father then offered. Nabi Yaqub, the other sister first. So he got married to the elder sister, and then after that he got married to the other sister, but he was really interested in the third sister, and Allah has given him, of all his children, has given him 12 children. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. 
Out of the twelve, the, he had two children, two sons of the last sister, of the last wife he got married to. And he had twelve sons. Nabi Yaqub did not have daughters, he had sons only. Um, with his first wife he had uh, X amount, and the second one and the third, third one he only had two. Right? The two of the, the last wife, the eldest boy was named Yusuf, and that's what became Nabi Yusuf. And after him came another son by the name of Bunyamin, the youngest of all the children. So this is how Allah decreed it to be. And when Allah decreed it as such, Allah showed us the processes in what happened in the beginning of Surah Yusuf, the issues that happens. Allah educates us, the Ummah of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as to what has happened there and also as to what was the laws there that Allah has inspired the Anbiya with so that they must be able to carry out certain things. And we see that at the beginning of Surah Yusuf, Allah tells us of what happened when the young child Yusuf said to his dad, I saw in my dream uh, the sun and the moon and eleven stars, they make sujood to me. So the father responded saying to him, my son, that which you've seen, do not tell that over to your brothers. Because Allah has given the instruction to the Anbiya that they could immediately see what was happening and how things happens and he said to his son do not inform your brothers about that nay they might just have some form of malice for you or feel uncomfortable about you that you've been given and they're thinking you've been special and I treat you alone special nay this is by Allah's decree so Allah has given you these great qualities <coughs> the son which was Nabi Yusuf and it unfortunately ended up with Nabi Yusuf being called, called upon by his brothers to go and play with them. They went to the dad and they said to the dad, Oh dad, you keep our brother Yusuf away from us. You keep him, uh, you, you look after him as if he's, he's our brother as well. We will look after him, we will protect him. Let him play with us. The dad said then to them, I just fear the fact that you might become negligent and the wolf might come by and the wolf may devour him eat him up they said no dad he's our brother we will not leave him alone we will take charge of him but they planned and Allah showed us the amount of perseverance that Allah has planned in Nabi Yaqub to allow him to understand when you're going through this test, Yaqub, persevere. Allah shows us, and Allah tests him like Allah tests every other human being. Allah tests Nabi Yaqub, and Allah puts the load on Nabi Yaqub to know that his son Yusuf is gone, has left him, but he's somewhere where only Allah knows where, and he, the father, has got no idea of where he is. He feels through what Allah's put in his heart that there is life in his child wherever he is. He feels the pain of his departure and he constantly reminds his children of the fact that what they have done to Yusuf. Right? Now, that whole process as that comes from Allah putting the load on Nabi Yaqub goes through his life until the day when he turns back to meet up with his son. 
To such an effect that in the Quran Allah tells us when his sons came to him and said to him, Dad, uh, um, this man does this, that and the other and they speak about Nabi Yusuf and not realizing it's him. Daddy said, he said to them, go there and do not sit, do not enter at the same time, but go there and, and speak to them. Most probably you'll be able to meet up with, Mus- with Yusuf and his brother. So when they actually, the brothers went and they interacted with this king that they went to and, and he could tell them things of what they did with Yusuf, he said to they asked him, are you Yusuf? He said to them, yes, I am Yusuf and this young bro- brother of mine, he's Yaqub, my brother, meaning from the same mother. From your dad, but from the same mother, he, he himself and myself is from the same mother, the others of you are from other mothers. Subhanak la wa illa billah. So Allah has allowed Nabi Yaqub to even to, to meet up with the pain and Allah mentions us from time to time to what extent have the blindness come to Nabi Yaqub of the severe uh, 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 grief that he went through and the pain that he went through knowing that his son is alive somewhere but he does not have the link with his son. Allahu Akbar. But this is Allah allowed it all to happen and to unfold. Um, my, my, my point is here to let us understand that this is the test Allah has put on Nabi Yaqub and he had to persevere this test. He says at the beginning of the surah to his son, do not inform your brothers. And somehow either, like kids, Nabi, Yaqub, Nabi Yusuf must probably as a kid must have told them. Or for some proof of reason they, they just felt the uncomfort. But Allah shows us how Allah granted him his responsibility. Uh, Allah has given the load to Nabi Yaqub, that load that Allah has given to him, and he had to persevere with that, and persevering that with the test of Allah is in actual fact a sense of rububiyyah, it's a sense of uluhiyyah to Allah, submission to what Allah has commanded, what Allah has decreed, what Allah has allowed to happen, and you know that this is a test of Allah, and you prepare to carry out that test, or persevere with the test for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Ya Rabb, may Allah grant us khair and barakah. Thus is the extent of what we see in Nabi Ya'qub. We see at the very end of the surah, Allah Ta'ala indicates to us, Nabi Ya'qub and his wife and his 11 sons are all standing in front of Nabi Yusuf, and they're making sujood in front of him, and he says, Nabi Yusuf says to his dad, Oh dad, this is the interpretation of that dream which I had when I was a young boy. Today when you have come back, because I've asked for you to be brought here to my... Now that you are here in, 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 in Egypt with me, and I'm the, the leader of Egypt today, Dad, this is that reward. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Allah indicates this to us, let us understand, how Allah has tested even Nabi Yusuf. Now the test of Nabi Yusuf has been various tests that Allah has granted him. The first test of Nabi Yusuf was to be born from a dad that he was going to be taken away very, very young. He was born out of a family that there was brothers other than him, him and had a sense of malice against him. Right? And they planned and plotted around his life. They wanted to kill him. But Allah has put it in their hearts that they'd rather be able to tell lies to their dad instead of killing him 
And then in the act of the lies, or the response to that lies, they put him into a well where he was left in there in the darkness of the well for late night and night through the night, in the cold and darkness, left there alone and had to wait until somebody helps him to come out of the well. Subhanak, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. These are the tests Allah's granted to Nabi Yusuf. And in the test of that, Allah took him, the people who took him out of the well, they said, oh yeah, he is a human being. It must be a slave boy. Let's take him as ours. We will travel on onto this journey. We took him out of the well. And we took him as, as a slave as a slave boy. And then when they got, they were traveling through the land of Palestine. When they got to the other side of Egypt, they sold him in Egypt to one of the leaders of the country. And Allah allowed him to be able to be reared by this person. This person who bought him, the person who's, the people who sold him, they, Allah mentions, they sold him for a, a, a lousy amount of money. He was a person as a Nabi that Allah has done the deep insight and wisdom. Yet they didn't see the quality of it, but they sold him for something on, on, on the market as a slave boy. And the person who saw him and saw certain good qualities in him, is one of the leaders of the, of the Egyptian people at that time. They took the boy and he took the boy to his home and he said to his wife, I don't have children, so let's take this child. Most probably we can treat him as a son of ours. He can become my son. This was the, 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 the dream of this person who took Nabi Yusuf and brought him home. But then Allah tested Nabi Yusuf with another test. He was a young boy when this all happened. He was just before he was Mukallaf, that it happened that he was being taken away by his brothers. So not long thereafter, now this young man becomes Mukallaf, and he stays in the house of this lady, the, the, and, and, and he's, he moves around her, them, and he sees himself as a slave, even though the, lady, the, the man has said he must be treated as a, as a son in the house. He served the people and helped them in, in the house, and the woman, the lady of the house, was one of the renowned ladies in the city. She felt again that he was a handsome boy. And she had to deal with his beauty and his handsomeness on a daily basis. And she could not stand that. It was a bit too much for her. And she then went into the extent of doing the unfortunate where Allah shows us of what happened and this can probably happen to each and every one of us how Allah when we allow the intermixing of sexes to be in one another's company that you can be tested by the presence of somebody who has some beauty which Allah has put in him and she has been tested with that beauty and she actually gave into this beauty she what she did was Allah describes it she invited Nabi Yusuf and instructed him to be able to come to the to a room. And then as he moved to the room behind every door, he went from one door to the other door. She, she locked it all. She made sure it was locked until she got him in the final room where she was having the place where she was sleeping in. And she was supposed to be there in the room alone and she offered Nabi Yusuf this opportunity to be able to interact with him like a woman would normally do with a man. You know, what would be a normal halal process, Allah tested Nabi Yusuf with us. Ya Rab. Now Nabi Yusuf already had the 
the difficulties of what he said. He was not with his parents. He's away from home. He's in a different environment. But the vulnerability of being alone as a child, not having your family around you, so you can be tested severely. And Allah tested Nabi Yusuf severely. And Allah Ta'ala indicates to us, it is Allah Ta'ala who protected Nabi Yusuf from having to fall prey to this. And unfortunately, because of his human qualities, his human qualities, he would have uh, given in to the process. His human qualities would have given in, but Allah then protected him by guiding him, allowing him to see certain things. And when he realized that he was the slave of Allah, he turned his back and he did not fulfill what the lady wanted from him. When she saw him reacting in a sense of denying, she chased him around and he ran and he ran and he ran. And as he ran, she grabbed to his clothing and pulled his clothing. And as she pulled his clothing and she pulled it uh, apart and, and she broke it because the extent of what her emotion was, she wanted to be with him. Subhanak, Nabi Yusuf at that moment wanted to scream to get freedom from this. But at that moment, Allah's decree came about that the person who brought Nabi Yusuf to the house, he entered in and when he saw the doors was locked, he came in and locked, he unlocked all the doors because he had the key equal. And he entered in until the moment he came to the door of his room. And when he opened the door of his room, Nabi Yusuf was in front of him, right there. And he saw him, his clothing being tattered and torn. So Zamisi says, Kleda was afgetrek van hom, stik in gebreek, Allahu Akbar. May Allah grant khair and barakah. Amen, inshallah. The voice there of Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in our segment, Knowing My Lord. And this is your program, Madrasa on A, Developing Islam in Me. Sheikh was in our first segment with regards to Knowing My Lord, speaking about uh, Nabi Yaqub as well as Nabi Yusuf, as well as uh, now we're going to be going into our second segment. Do know that you can send through your questions to the number 47913. Alternatively, send through a WhatsApp on 072 Two three eight zero seven one two. I'm going to be heading over to Sheikh to continue where Sheikh stopped last Thursday, inshallah, and that is with regards to our second segment being I am a Muslim. What is expected of me, Sheikh? I'm going to be handing over now. Bismillah. Shukran jazakallah. Thanks very very much for that moment, Yasmina. Um, we we in the second segment now. I am a Muslim. So what is expected of me? And in in, in the last seg in this segment last week. We ended off last week on, on the issue of the last part of the Kalimat al-Shahada and we indicated to you that there is a hadith with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi that we started before we did the Kalimat al-Shahada and we said our Nabi sallallahu alayhi indicated to us in a hadith he says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-Islam ala khams the Islam was built on four or five pillars Shahadatu ad la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadan rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That this, the first one of those five pillars is to be able to be a testimony to the fact that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and to be a testimony to the fact that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah and we went and we covered that section and then we said the second part of the hadith or the hadith carries on by saying uh, and to be established the salah is a second pillar to be able to establish the salah is a second pillar and you and I may be able to understand that 
The second pillar is the next pillar that we need to establish and the hadith carries on and there is a third pillar and a fourth pillar and a fifth pillar. Subhanak la quwwata illa billah. Now the second pillar according to us is the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa iqam salah is to establish the salah. It's a second pillar in the field of Islam. So we're dealing with that as a second process. But I need to be able to allow us to understand how do we see the second pillar as a, as a how does the scholars see the second pillar in our life and they say as a concept they see it as these are the scholars words they see this uh, salah as a relationship between man and Allah a relationship and intimacy that need to be between you and me not between you and me between any one of us and Allah, which means our relationship with Allah is salah. Our intimacy, intimacy in our salah is what Allah expects of us. And the fact that we need to be able to have that, that communication with Allah, that is what salah is all about. That Allah wants from us. But for this subject of salah, which we will be dealing with inshallah and looking at the second pillar in Islam, as part of being a Muslim and what is expected of me, the Salah, we're looking at the Salah and for the Salah to be dealt with, there are certain things called the prerequisites for Salah. Those things that's needed to be able for a person to make Salah that must be seen to prior to performing Salah. If the prerequisites are not in place, then the Salah is not of value, right? So, we need to be able to see that these prerequisites are in place and the prerequisites is that conditions that we need to see that we look at that we live by as portion. now th those things i've divided them up into five things five issues those five things that there is or those five issues that there is that we need to look at is number one it's called the subject of tahara and the subject of tahara is first and foremost the istinja and then secondly the wudu and then thirdly the ghusl of the body the wash the whole body wash and the fourth one would be the cleansing of the place and the clothes the, the, the place that we are making salah at and the clothing that we have on and our bodies and the fifth one is it's called the fitra the norms the natural thing that we need to see that we deal with our bodies that is within the norms given to us by Allah and His Rasul that we need to follow back by. <coughs> so this issue of Tahara, it's all about cleansing. It speaks about the different forms of cleansing. Tahara is two forms of cleansing in it. It's a physical cleansing where there's physical things that needs to be seen to, and it's a spiritual cleansing where there's a spiritual processes that needs to be cleansed. So the body might be physically clean but still needs a spiritual cleansing, right? So, Tahara deals with spiritual cleansing and physical cleansing, right? Now, sometimes you might be in a state of spiritual cleansing, but you've touched certain dirt, then you need to just wash yourself, wash that portion where the dirt is, your spirit is still clean. clean. And at times you are spiritually unclean, but you need to clean yourself spiritually and for that you need to do what we say the process of what we call wudu or ghusl right so 
the Rousseau and the Wudu is both physical and spiritual. The Instinja, it is physical mostly. When I say physical means it's really removing the physical dirt. Right? That's what Istinja is all about. Right? The, the, the Wudu is a physical act that we need to do, but the objective is to obtain a spiritual cleansing process. So you need to look at the physical to be able to get a qualitative spir- uh, uh, a spiritual process into the body. The same with the Rusul of the body. The body is, in, is what we call in a state. That state most probably could be indecent or in unclean or unpure. It could be uncupure physically and spiritually, right? So you need to wash the body physically, so the physical body cleansing brings about a physical and a spiritual change into the body. So that that we're looking at the other one, the place is physical cleansing. The body parts, uh, things that and, and, and clothes that I wear wear must be physically clean, and then there's the phys- the fitra processes. These are all physical cleansing things that needs to be with the body. May Allah grant us khair and barakah, insha'Allah. We are in our second segment. I am a Muslim. What is expected of me? Do note that if you have any questions regarding the segment or what she is being mentioning, then you can send it to on our SMS line as well as our WhatsApp line. Sheikh Bismillah. Shukran for that one, Auntie Yasmina. Um, just before the break, we said that we're dealing with the subject matter of Istinja. Uh, as part of the, 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 the Tahara processes. Now the Istinja is a very, 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 very serious matter. Um, yes, it's one of those things that people have a sense of negligence with. And our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has put strong emphasis on this, right? So that you and I can understand how serious this matter is. Um, we're not here to want to speak ill of anybody but, but we need to look at the positivities and the negativities where this is concerned. Now I would wish to start off with this part of the subject matter to show us the seriousness of this in the words of our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when one day our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went, was walking in the city of Medina not to, uh, almost at the beginning of his coming to the city of Medina it was not. It was not uh, uh, very late in his, his presence. Remember, he was sallallahu alaihi wasallam came to stay in Medina for the last ten year, days of his ten years of his life. So, not long after the beginning, when the Rabbi sallallahu alaihi wasallam once walked in the city of Medina, um, he passed with some Sahaba radiallahu anhum. The Rabbi sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed by two kubur, two graves that was seen there. And as the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed these graves, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, that was with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to them, these two people in these two graves are severely punished. They are severely punished. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And like obvious, when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made such a statement, the Sahaba radiallahu anhu was eager to know, but why, O Messenger of Allah? What is the reason? Why are they punished severely? And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the first one was somebody who was negligent with his tongue, was ready to take any story from anybody, 
any juicy news that there is, anything in the voice or the, or the sword, and you'd love to tell the world about it. And you doubt it. And Nothing to do with you and me. Ik wil niet van jou vertellen. Ik wil niet van Ik wil niet van ons praten. Ik wil praten van andere mensen bezigheid. I love that. Now this is that one person was severely punished in his grave because he loved to take news from others, listen to stories, very quick to accept it, and then to carry it over to others. Hij te losse tong geet. Subhanak sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So now he he had a tongue. That was ready to accept anything. He hears things with his ears. He reads it in books. He reads it in papers. He reads it or sees it on the TV or sees it somewhere else. Or knows something from somebody. Or has seen other people with their eyes closed. Or tell even other people. See, maybe it is here. Maybe it is. The least, the least we know is best. But that person, so Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught us a lesson. And that person in his cover will be severely punished simply because he loves to look around to make his business what is not his. He goes around on TV, he goes around on news, he goes around on paperwork, he goes around in magazines, he goes around in, in wherever there is information for him that he can spill around to inform, to insult, to ridicule and of other people's sake to find right? But this is not Muslims only. The world of kufr opens this world. If you are not Muslim, you love to tell other people's stories. You love it to know, to hear of what... Did you hear it? So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was saying, if you call yourself a Muslim, a Muslim is somebody who doesn't make it your business, anybody else's business. The least you know from others is best. So don't be ready to be able to take the stories of others. That's the first part of the hadith. The second part, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, and the second person in his cover is severely punished because it was somebody who was negligent with his istinja. Allahu Akbar. He was negligent with his istinja. Now that is a, a very solid sound mes message that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave to us. Because our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us if the istinja is improper, if the istinja is negligent, is careless, is not considered very important, is not if not excessive amount of attention is not put to the istinja of the individual, unfortunately that person is then engrossed with shaitan around him whole day through. His his wudu is not accepted. So if his wudu cannot be accepted, then his salah is not accepted. And if his salah is not accepted, which means he makes salah, but it's not considered of anything, and this, then all the barak has been taken out of his life. Now people, this is absolutely serious. It's absolutely serious. It's serious for you, the listener who listens to me. It's serious for me, the one that actually said this to you. But it's serious for your children and for mine. We need to see that the reminder of this needs to flow continuously. Even we must speak to every person and tell them how serious this matter is. I must apologize. I'm going to mention uncomfortable things here. And, and, and I'm not here to be able to 
I like the, the harms and the wrongs of others. But I'm not going to mention these things because I want us to understand how serious this is. Imagine the Nabi could say to this person, to, to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, that these two people are severely punished, severely punished in their cover. Did the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam love to know that he, these people should be punished in his, his cover? Is he busy making a fitna telling him stories? Or is the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam having a deep concern? A great concern. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was not a fatan. He's not somebody who yeah, knows things and stories for telling. Goodness for Amulti for telling. Tim Basun and Tsuaha Sans and Kobadi. Because they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They say also, Bishahidin, Nabi doesn't want to He brings to us that is serious to us. Serious to you in your life, in the life of your partner, in the life of your children, in the life of your offspring, in the life of all of us. Right? So we need to be able to give reminders continuously because this is what the Nabi did. He gave us his reminders because he wanted us to know he wants us to walk on the Sirat al-Mustaqim. He wants you to be on the Sirat al-Mustaqim and me and he wants all our offspring, our children, our partners, our friends, our family and all of them, we want all of them to be on the Sirat al-Mustaqim. Right? So his deep concern and care is not to be able to tell stories and fitna mark for dimensa. No. His job was to be able to guide you and me, to take us off the path of Jahiliyyah and to take us on the path called the Sirat al Mustaqim. Ya Rabb, may Allah grant us to be of the Muslim Ummah. And so the issue of Istinja is a major issue. Like I said, I'm unfortunately I have to share these things that's going to be uncomfortable things. Sometimes we find in public places, if I say public places, public toilets, you find the toilet being dirty with, you see the, 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 the remains of, of uh, urine on the, 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 the seat. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And so you and I need to clean it to be able to sit there ourselves. Can you imagine you see something of such nature amongst the Muslim ummah in public toilets? Allahu Akbar. Now, for what I'm saying here, it sounds very uncomfortable because you, you uh, uh, Ibrahim, uh, are you busy slandering the people? No, I'm not. It's just the pain of knowing what's the uncomfort. I wouldn't wish this for myself, I wouldn't wish this for anybody, but it's very, very uncomfortable to know at times a person goes to a place called a public toilet at a masjid. So who goes to the masjid? Who goes there? Who relieves him there? Is it Muslims or other? In the public toilets, there's other people that anybody else can be there. But the one at the masjid, may Allah open the path. So yes, we're looking at our children, we're looking at our partners, we're looking at our friends, they might be adult or otherwise. Shukran so much, Sheikh. In our second segment, being I'm a Muslim, what is expected of me? Sheikh Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Shukran for that one, Auntie Yasmina. Um, in the second segment, we were busy with I'm a Muslim, so what is expected of me? Uh, we went into the second aspect called the Sada. Uh, and in, uh, about the Sada, we were looking at the, what we call the preconditions for Sada, right? To be able to perform the Sada, certain things need to be done, be in place. If those things are in place, then the possibility for Sada. Uh, we went into the subject called the Istinja. And we went to a hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where the Nabi showed sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the importance of, in this hadith, the importance of istinja, right? 
But there's this much to do with istinja taught to us by our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which we're going to cover in this sixth segment here. For here we now wanted to be able to understand that this subject is extremely important and it's something that each and every one of us must remind our families, our brothers, our sisters, our friends. We must remind them on a continuous basis. Who serious is it? And how detrimental is it if they are careless? Now, yes, if a child has been given this freedom to be able to do it as he wished from a young age, and we do not give the reminder, that he more what a pa of a boy, of a man, of a fro, with carelessness, and then they do not gain the benefits of Allah, they fill their life for shaitan and with corruption and destruction. And the one of us baikya, who come in young means so so ongeskik is in vandagse lewe, maar hy was nie blootgestel in die belangrikheid van die istinja nie. So he doesn't see it important. Now, if you are not Muslim, then there's no sin. Then everything is halal. All the sins in the world is halal because you've made the biggest sin, you've given unto Allah the rights which belongs to somebody else. I, I mean, you've given unto to anybody else the rights which belongs unto Allah. You've taken the rights of Allah away, so every other sin is permissible for you. Ali and his is permissible. But as a Muslim, as in your want to give Allah right belongs to Allah, then you need to be able to see that you are as a Muslim, follow the instructions given to us by Allah and His Messenger. And it's possible, highly impossible for us to imagine us can Muslim is so na um to can mark us adhering to the life and the advice and the guidance of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's pertinent. It's either destruction that we go into and we wish to and shaitan takes us our hands and guides us there and or we say, ek brik my bean, ek brik my leaves here. Ma ek gaat nie doen wat shaitan wil heen, ek gaan doen wat Allah in sy rasul wil heen. And if I do that, then that difficult task, there will be great reward by us for Allah to the Qiyamah. And Allah is going to pardon us and enter us into His Jannah. May Allah grant all of us that. Now, we must understand that in having to open up the uncomforts that comes about with these things, is not to be able to speak ill about others, but is to allow us to understand the need for reminder to understand the positivity, you need to understand the negativity. To be able to, to do the positivity, to live with the positive, you must be able to recognize the seriousness in the destruction and the corruption that lies with the negativity. And the less you know of the negativity, you probably can fall into the negativity like anybody else, forgetting how important it is that you need to. And so this is for you and me, the listeners here. For us, the ones that speak, the ones that speak to whom we're speaking to. But the same happens to our families, to our friends. The need to remind them, the need to re- repeat the, the reminders, to say it over and over and over. And strange Allah's words in the Holy Quran. Zakir, remind one another. Remind your families, remind your partners, remind your friends, remind your neighbors, remind one another that they are Muslim. Remind them continuously. And Muni Opo remind them. Who comes to Allah? For when a person is a believer and reminders begin to him, then that reminder benefits him. A Muslim is iemand wat sê nie, nee, ek het die reminder nodig he. If you are Muslim, you never ever say, I don't need that reminder. If you think you don't need that reminder, then you are deep with shaitan. You are intense with shaitan. Nee, jy is intense with shaitan, die shaitan is intense met jou. Mag Allah ons allemaal bewaar. Right? 
We don't want to. We need to mention these things because these are realities. If you and I believe, and I don't need the reminder, Allah says that reminder, if it's Allah says in the Quran, if it is a good reminder, then it benefits you as a believer. But if we don't have belief, if we don't have Iman, and if you are not real Muslims, then Shaitan is in test with us severe. He does a strong bond from our own and home. He's deep in our hearts, he's deep in our bloods, he's deep in our minds, he's deep in our actions. But Allah knows when we are Muslim and we want to be Muslim and we want to live like Islam. That no matter who gives us reminders, we are ready to open, to listen to those reminders, especially when it comes from Allah and His Rasul, and we want to implement it into our life, and we want to see that we do it to the best of our abilities. May Allah grant us to be Muslim, inshallah. Right? And obviously, the question is, if I am Muslim, I am a Muslim. So what is expected of me? One of those things that's expected of me is that the istinja, according to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is an important fact. It's as as a fart, so salah a fart is. It's a fart. It's not a sunnah. It's not a maybe. It's not a in-between. It's a fart. We must do it, and we must be able to know it, and we love it in accordance with our life. And we must pass it on a continuous reminder to our children, Obviously, always, all the time. They are not too young, they are not too old to remind them, right? Allah moet gerimind wat kantisten nie, Allah moet gerimind wat om te remind hulle families ook, right? So, the reminder must carry on. Because this is what comes from Allah. We reminders must be kept alive continuously, continuously. Those things that prevents shaitan from having an effect on us. Those things by having to submit to what Allah and His Rasul wishes for us. May Allah grant us to be Muslimin. We were speaking about the istinja. And we mentioned to you the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of these people that will be entering into the fire of Jahannam and they know, know that will be severely punished in the grave. And if a person is severely punished in his grave and he craves in it from punishment and punishment, it's an introduction to what the Akhirah is going to offer him. It is an introduction to what the Akhirah is going to offer him. And I'll say Ali Muslims know who Allah is from Jannah Die persoon het gekies om self nie jannet toe te wakken nie. Hy het barie geestinjat nie. Hy het die stinjat gesien as important nie. Hy het gekeelis en getreed. So he has chosen not to enter jannah. He has chosen to be the enemy of Allah. To be the enemy of Sayyid Rasul. To be the enemy of Islam. He wanted to love with disrespect. And, dis- and he wanted to love with shaitan. And to intermingle with shaitan. He or she has chosen that. But the stinjat is an important factor for every male and for every female. Right? As to the istinja, in the teaching of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Nabi teaches us, the first important aspect if a person wants to go to a toilet to relieve himself, that you and I need to be able to be, just before we enter into the toilet, make dua. Call unto Allah. Admit to the fact that there are any toilet, as satanic processes out there. Shaitan in say and his team they are working there and I know that I as a Muslim does not have the capacity I do not have the strength I do not have the, the power to remove them I cannot I can't even see them so I don't even know them I must believe that the only one that can give me the power to protect me from them is Allah and thus is the dua the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us, he said to us, you must make dua. So we need to teach it to ourselves. We need to pass it over to our children and see that the dua becomes part of their lives. The dua becomes alive and they become aware of what they are saying. 
And so you need, before you go into the toilet, you say, Allahumma inni a'udhubika min al-khubuthi wal-khaba'ith min al-shaytan al-rajim. This is the advice given to us by our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yes, alhamdulillah, many Muslims, that's obedient slaves of Allah, are doing this. But if I ask the question, if a person can go to the toilet and he's careless in the toilet, would that mean indicate that the other person has made the proper dua? Na'udhu Billah, may Allah protect all of us. The voice there of Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams with Madrasa on E developing Islam in me. Just before the break, Sheikh was uh, in our second segment being what is a Muslim? I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? But for now, we're going on to our third topic, and that is leadership in Islam and its progression. And I hand over to Sheikh to continue, <coughs> inshallah. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran jazakallah khair for the in this segment of leadership in Islam, we last week entered into a new topic, and that topic was the topic of communication. And uh, we, we touched on certain things where that, where that topic is concerned. For now, allow me to be able to just go through some questions that the, or some things that the people has indicated to us as to communication. Um, we need to be able to look at in communication as to why is there communication. When we speak about why is there communication, it's about to be able to give over a message to others, right? And to be able to be judged by people righteously and not to judge people. to do to, Because if we, if we give the a good communication with people, then people know who we are. But the nature of man is, we live in a life today so uncomfortable, filled with many things in it, that um, most of the people hasn't been fed with righteous communication. And so people go very quickly for, for, for negative in, uh, communication, and we're supposed to be able to re-establish and bring it back to us. So there's two types of communication, as the scholars are saying. There's the one they call the sound communication, and by the word sound, we say the perfect or the righteous or the good communication. And the opposite of that is ill communication. We, the communication is harmful, negative and destructive, right? May Allah protect us. And we, we indicated in our previous uh, messages that Allah deals with the subject of, of communication in the Holy Quran. And Allah mentioned to us in Surah al Ar-Rahman, Surah Ar-Rahman, Allah says, Ar-Rahman allama al-Qur'an khalqa al-insan allamahu al-bayan. In the words, allamahu al-bayan, Allah says, Allah educated, Allah taught us, Allah gave us the skill of communication. Ya Rabbi, subhanak, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So we need to see that we apply those communications in our life, insha'Allah, may Allah grant khairan barakah to all of us. I probably want to share with us certain of the three things that happens. Uh, of, of where communication is concerned, and the scholar speaks about that. We mentioned to us in the last one the words of the Nabi, or the words of Allah in the Holy Quran when Allah spoke to us. And Allah said to us, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O you people who believe, ittaqullah, be conscious of Allah, wa kulu kawlan sadida, see that you apply sound communication, yuslih lakum a'malakum. Your deeds will become righteous. Your, your, your actions will become positive, good, and righteous. Right? Subhanak. The verses hasn't ended. The verse carries on, and Allah says, "Wa'yaghfir lakum dhunubakum." Now, I will go through this, this, this verse with us because I think it's an important verse for us to recognize in what Allah says in this verse. First and foremost, Allah said to us, 
Oh, you people who believe in Allah, this is the people, the believing people, the people that is Muslim. May Allah grant us to be Muslimin. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu taqullah, be conscious of your Lord is the first command. Allah says, be con- for us to be conscious of Allah, waqulu kawlan sadida, and after being conscious of Allah, we need to be able to add to consciousness sound communication. Allah says that to us. Wakulu kawlan sadida, and see that you apply sound communication. Then Allah makes a statement and says, Yuslih lakum a'malakum. If you have the two qualities of consciousness of Allah and sound communication in your life, your deeds will become righteous and good and qualitative. So he means to say in Afrikaans, Ik wil net hee dinge moet rechtkom, en precies die is wat Allah sê vir ons in die Koran, as jy wil hee dinge moet rechtkom, dat is dat twee dinge wat nodig is vir jou in jou leven. Die eerste ene van is, jy moet consciousness het van Allah, bewust wees dat Allah is bewust van my al my tyd en ek moet, be, ek moet sien dat ek my leven leven rond om die feit dat wat bewys vir my wat bewys vir my, ek is bewust van Allah en tweedens ek moet draai, ek moet uitdraai wat Allah says, wakulu kawlan sadida, I must apply sound communication, ek moet goeie communicatie toepas in die liewe samen aan die mense this is what Allah wants to say. Wakulu kaulan sadida. Allah Taala makes a, a statement after the analysis. The results of that is yuslih lakum amalakum. The result of your goeie dade, the result of your consciousness of Allah and the sound communication that you apply in life, brings about the fact that Allah brings about positivity in your life. Your lewe gaan dan reg, regte iets en goeie iets gebeur in die lewe. The life becomes qualitative and valuable and meaningful and the reactions between you and others becomes qualitative, valuable, of a sense of respect and honor and dignity that comes among us. Right? Subhanak. It is because we apply sound communication. Right? And we apply consciousness of Allah. Allah says that. The, 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 the first statement Allah says, Yuslih lakum amalakum. Allah doesn't stop there. We say Allah carries on and Allah says, Wayaghfid lakum dunubakum. What Allah wants to say, if you were a person who were negligent, careless, unconcerned, and you did not apply consciousness of Allah in your life, and you did not apply sound communication, but you now prepare to bring the change into your life. To say, if Allah says this is important, I want to do it. I want to be Muslim. I want to gain benefits for, for my things that I do in life. I want to find successes in things that I do. I want to have things that become righteous and positive for me. I want to have that. And yet Allah gives me the formula. So Allah says, I will surely then when you've made the intention to do that and after the intention you put it into practice to be able to see that you apply consciousness of Allah and sound communication I will make your things righteous your life will change to positivity positive iets gaan dan gebeur in die lewe now this is not a a hook story it's not, this is what Allah says in the Quran and Allah makes it yuslih lakum a'malakum righteousness goodness Positivity is a surety it will happen to you in your life. Ya Rab? But that's what all of us want, isn't it? You want to do anything, you want to be positive, and so I. But Allah carries on and Allah says, وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Not only will your life become positive from there onwards, but if you were negligent prior, if you have made the false before, if you did not have consciousness of Allah in your life, if you did not apply life with sound communication it's as to the advice and guidance, and you do the change now to do that, I also be able to be, give you all your previous, your previous sins. Where when you were careless with 
consciousness of Allah, or you were careless with sound communication, you did not apply it, it you allowed you to be able to become corrupt and to destroy you and to, to invite you to everything that's sinful and harmful and wrong, and you interacted with all those things by just doing things the way you wanted to, and you did not apply what we did, the moment you bring the change, Allah says, I'm prepared to pardon you for all that, as if you never did the wrong things. Subhanak. So Allah's not only going to see that your future is a positivity in the sense that you, it's positive good things that you'll be doing, but your past that has been negligent, that has been rotten or dirty or bad, Allah will cleanse that and it will shine, it will be good, simply because you've brought the change, because you and I was ready to apply sound communication and consciousness of Allah in our life. وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Allah then carries on in this verse and Allah says وَمَن يُتِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا Allah Akbar The scholar says, Allah says وَمَن يُتِعِ اللَّهَ If anybody thereafter, they apply consciousness of Allah in their life and they apply sound communication in their life and this is part of their life in everything that they do. They look at everything through the process of is Allah happy with me with what I'm doing now? Am I doing what Allah and His Rasul expects of me to do? Am I adhering to the call of Allah and His Messenger? And if that is what I do, that is consciousness of Allah. And if that is what I do and I am considered the way I communicate, my communication is sound communication, I try to be so in enhancing everybody, allow everybody to feel confident with me and allow them to interact with me. I share with them sound communication. I will grant him these two things. I will grant him consciousness. I will grant him to be able to be successful. And I will grant him to be able to pardon them for the sins of their past. If from now onwards, the person now studies his life and looks at what he's living by. But he now wants to be obedient to Allah. He wants to now be obedient. He now changes his life. He now admits that my life is not what I'm supposed to be. I'm not Muslim as I'm supposed to be. I'm not adhering to the advice and guidance of Allah. I'm not following the lifestyle guided to me by Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And I'm not following the life. But now I, I'm realizing that and I want to bring change. If a person then becomes obedient to Allah وَرَسُولَهُ And he wants to become obedient to his messenger فَقَدْ فَازَ Allah promised him not only will things become better, but it will reach to the level that you will be successful in everything you do. Fakad faza definitely says Allah. In the Arabic word when you say Qad Faza means definitely, surely, positively, undoubtedly, they can only be success for you, nothing else. Fakad Faza, they can be nothing else but success. But the ayah doesn't stop there, the ayah carries on and Allah says, Fakad Faza Fawzan Adima. You will not only be successful in everything that you do on earth. Not everything that you touch with your hand will become gold when it becomes successful because of what you're doing. Yes it will, but you will also reach success in this dunya, in everything you do. You will be successful when you go into your grave and you are going to be there. And you meet up with the Barzakh site, you will be dead there. You will definitely be successful. And that's nothing. When you meet up with your Lord, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, success is the only thing written everywhere around you. Allahu Akbar. Ya Rab, don't we want to be successful? Listen to Allah putting the formula down for us. The formula calls for four things. What's in the formula? Allah says first, Consciousness of Allah. Secondly, sound communication. 
Thirdly, obedience to Allah. And fourthly, obedience to His Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah grant us insight. May Allah grant us knowledge. May Allah grant us realization. And let us realize that this is not done by a professor. This is not done at a university. It's not been worked out in a, in, in a, in a lab. No, it's not as backward as that. It is profound from the Lord of creations, from the Lord of the universe, from the Lord He sends this message. So His message is profound. All the professors has got no other option but to say it is the ultimate truth. There is no greater truth that can comes from Him. So Allah is the one that shows us if we want to be successful, the, the formula given to us by Allah will grant us success for this dunya, for our cover and in the year after. May Allah grant all of us to become people who has the desire and zest to want to be successful in everything we do, inshallah. So we look at this ayah and we've seen what this ayah, I, I call this ayah a formula given to us by Allah for success in this dunya and for our success of the akhirah. Right? So may Allah grant us all success. But that is not the only ayah. Allah mentioned a few other things and, and there's a few ahad, other ahadith. Now I would love to mention a hadith when it comes to sound communication. Do you just listen to the words of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because he told us what needs to happen or be in place with sound communication and he says to us Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir falyakul khair aw liyasmut I wish to be able to unpack this hadith for us if you do not mind. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to us in this hadith he says Whosoever of you believe in Allah and the last day let such a person speak what is righteous. Or let such a person remain silent. The first aspect I want to say to you is Allah, the hadith the Nabi says to us, if you are a person who believes in Allah. Now in the, in the ayah that we've mentioned prior, we mentioned to you, Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. Allah was speaking directly to you and me, the Muslims. So Allah was speaking to humanity as a whole. Yes? The references to humanity. Humanity takes these things of the humanity sees the, the beauty and the wonder, but they take it and they put it into the, the corporate world and they put it here and they put it there because they, they didn't have it. The, the Nabi didn't say to them anything. The Quran didn't say to them anything. They saw it in our Quran. They saw it from our Nabi and they take it and they put it into their lives and they play, place it there. We forget that it is for Islam. We need to love it. And so our Nabi says, if you are a person who believes in Allah, and the last day, and you recognize this day, a day called Yawm Al-Qiyamah, which Allah is going to reward you for your actions, فَلْيَكُلْ خَيْرٌ Let such a person, when he speaks, and he opens his mouth, or he interacts, or he wants to leave a message, let he leave a message that is profound, positive, beneficent, of benefit. فَلْيَكُلْ خَيْرٌ That which is good. Let he speak what is good, let he leave a good message, and he leave a good uh, sense of communication for right? The hadith doesn't stop there. It says he must leave a good message and also or he must be able to remain silent. So the Nabi says, when sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, when you want to be a good person, when you want to be a Muslim, when you want to adhere to what Allah and His Rasul wants, and you also recognize that you're going to be rewarded for your deeds, yawm al-qiyamah, then the only thing for a Muslim in communication is to think what will he be doing. The scholar says to be able to say a good thing, to speak what is good, 
To be able to speak what is good is not possible unless the person uses his brains, he thinks very well, he ponders about the possibility. If I say this, will it be positive or will it be negative? So if he just speaks and doesn't think what he's going to say, most probably it comes out in a very uncomfortable way. Most probably it leaves about a negative message. But it can leave a positive message if you think very well before you talk. Right? But the same the scholars are saying, the hadith of putting down for us, he says, فَلْيَقُولْ خَيْرْ Let him speak righteousness, or let him remain silent. Because the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to us indirectly, when you want to speak, you'll come to deduct your speech to be good, and thus you speak. And if you do want to speak, and you deduct it after realization it is not good, then you, that will bring about silence from your side, and you will not speak. So, the scholar says, this then clearly means, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa wanted to say it to us, when you want to speak, please use your brain before you use your tongue. If you use your tongue first, then bah, what a pain. Like we said prior, then you'll say, if only I thought, as I can't get but unfortunately, we are in our final segment being a leadership in Islam and its progression. So I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh Inshallah to continue where she stopped last week. Bismillah. Afan wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And yes, Mina, we were in a hadith of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was telling us about sound communication and he said to us, about communication as Muslims with one another. If a person is a believer in Allah and he believes the fact that Allah is going to reward him for Yawm Al-Qiyamah, let such a person always consider what he speaks so that he can be positive what he says. Or let such a person consider what he's going to say and if it is not positive, let him rather remain silent, says the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The deduction that we see the scholars make out of this hadith is that it's highly impossible to be able to just speak, 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 speak and always speak good things. To be able to speak good things, you must be able to use your common sense and think but similarly, to be able to speak, to realize that at times you need to remain silent, that it's best that you think before you speak. And if you think well, you'll be able to recognize that if you speak now, it will not be best. So thus, it's best for you to remain silent. May Allah grant us to be of those people who benefit through the ahadith of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the guidance when he said to us, the fact that you and I need to be able to see that we live a life of having to be able to use the process of using the process of what is good in having to speak that we should be speaking inshallah there's a few ahadith that we're going to carry on in this and a few ayat in our discussion about the sense of sound communication that comes from Allah and his messenger some of them we've mentioned to you um, we're looking at what the, the scholars has just indicated to us as we said there should be certain tools that vital tools in sound communication Certain tools, that's vital tools in sound, sound communication, meaning that the tools is important for to know it to be tools and then to be used maximum to be able to get sound communication. They say the first important tool in communication is the use of the tongue. The use of the, the tongue. But thus the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when you use the tongue, see that you consider yourself what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. 
And so the important other factor with it is our intellectual power, our brain and our heart that must be working with that to be able to identify what I'm going to say, is it good ahead of time? Or what I'm going to say, is it bad? So that I may be able to ahead of time know that I'd rather keep quiet. Subhanak. So the hadith says to us, the tools in communication, sound communication, the first important tool that needs to be dealt with is a tool called the tongue. The other one is my brain, the intellectual power and my heart that Allah has granted me so that I can draw the conclusions ahead of time and not wait until I've said what I wanted to say and realize then, Right? Islam doesn't want us to be of those. Islam wants us to be when we are Muslim, Muslims think, think, think before we talk and see that we leave a positive message in our from our brains and our hearts and then we use our intellect to be able to identify. The scholar speaks to us and says to us the third tool that we're going to mention here, almost the most important tool for success in communication. Because communication is not a one-way stream. Communication is a two-way stream. So in a two-way stream, the use of the tongue or the use of my body language that I leave there gives a message. And people respond to that message. And they say, they say two tools is extremely important. The tool of the brains, the reflection, the intellectual power and the heart. And the other tool a very very important tool especially special in communication that is verbal communication that's called the ears if we give the ears the hat that the ears has been given to by Allah we'll be able to give value in our communication and if the ears has not been given the respect that it's been given to by Allah Unfortunately, then we are very much like what shaitan wants us to do. Hasteful to be able to respond quickly to make my statement and make my say. And say man it may dang and it for the pratni. And I always feel reason to blame everybody else and anybody else where anything wrong that happens. Because I must always be right. what I do. But I don't use my intellect. Neither do, don't I use my ears. Some scholars say to us, Allah has given us one tongue but two ears to say to us that if you think you have the right to speak then you have double the right to be able to remain silent but that is if you listen very carefully right and if you have the right to be able to to speak or to, to, to somebody has spoken to you then it's not your duty, according to the scholars, to be able to give a response according to what you understand. Not until you've used your brains, thought well is what will be said, and when you've thought well, to be able to think well about what was said, you need to be able to also listen to what was said by the person. So a good response is only after you listen attentively and many a times you misunderstood the person and you give a response onto a misunderstanding. So if you give a response onto a misunderstanding, what do you do to happen? So negativity and wrong and misinterpretation comes into the things. Yeah, my kids, so gemeen, ek het so gemeen, die gemeen en die gemeen. 
This is what exactly what Al Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam indicates to us that we make use of the fact that Allah has given us ears, and we use those ears to listen attentively because God good communication and positive communication and a communication school, kaulan sadid means when I speak to you, then of obvious reasons you should listen to be able to give to me a response. You should listen attentively, not and I should listen to you attentively if I want to give you a response. Yes, and I will not be able to give you a positive response if I do not listen to you. And if I've listened to you, I need to be able to ask myself what I've heard. Is it right? So it's good to be able to say, Did I really understand? If I do not admit to the fact that I could have misunderstood, Nahas may response be a funnah response with Shaitan joins me in, I rebel against you, I bring haters in harm and pain and uncomfortable forward, and I leave not a positive message, I leave a negative message. May Allah protect all of us. Amen. The voice of the of Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in our program, Madrasa on E, Developing Islam in Me. We are in our final segment being leadership in Islam. And his progression that we were in our last segment being leadership in Islam and his progression. And unfortunately, time has really got us here. Sheikh, we have to end off now at this very moment with regards to that, given the fact that we are going to be speaking to Sheikh Irafan Abrams, the president of the MGC, with regards to Salah for Rain. Sheikh Bismillah. Um, yes, Alhamdulillah. To our listeners out there, unfortunately, we have a shortened version for today. May Allah grant khair and barakah, inshallah. Just a reminder of the excursion that's taking place on the 26th insha'Allah of this month and the uh, uh, workshop that's taking place on the 11th of this month insha'Allah May Allah grant khair and barakah we hope to be able to see all of you people participating insha'Allah Jazakallah khair um, Can we do our final dua in in the fact that uh, uh, we said Surah Al-Asr together A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr innal insana lafi husr إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسوا بالحق وتواسوا بالصبر وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته That is the voice of Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams speaking to uh, ending off the program Madrasa on E. Shukran so much for everyone who participated in the program. Also send to your comments. Shukran so much for that. This, like I said, is a shorter version of Madrasa on E and I hope that you have truly benefited. Just latching on to what she has mentioned regarding the workshop that's going to be taking place this Saturday that is going to be at Siddiqui Masjid in Alsis River. So do bring a friend along or even bring your family along for that matter for the workshop. From myself, Yasmina Peterson, I bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and have a great day further.